Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Catherine Cowdery. And as you've been hearing, Federal Reserve officials left interest rates on hold last month. Minutes of that meeting show heightened uncertainties about the U.S. labor market and financial stability, and that threatened their outlook. The minutes show Fed policymakers thought it was prudent to wait for the result of Britain's June 23rd referendum. Markets were a little changed after the release. The equities are advancing. Cautious sentiment is easing amid speculation that the American economy can weather the impact of the U.K.'s decision to leave the European Union. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average up 27 points, an eighth of a percent, trading at 17,869. S&P 500 up four points, two-tenths of a percent, to 2,092. The Nasdaq is up 19 points, four-tenths of a percent, at 48.42. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up at 94 cents a barrel. That's a gain of 2%, trading at 47.54. Spot gold up $8.80 a ounce to 13.67.50. And the 10-year Treasury down 130 seconds with a yield of 1.38%. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. The Federal Reserve was stopped in its rate-hiking path in mid-June by a jobs report that showed that maybe, just maybe, the U.S. labor market has lost a lot of momentum and by their concern that the result of Britain's June 23rd Brexit vote was too close to call and it was prudent to wait to see how those results would affect global markets and therefore the global economy. We're going to take an in-depth look now at just this question of what the Fed is looking at and what it means for the Fed moving ahead with Joe Gagnon. He is a uh, senior fellow at the Peterson Institute. He is in charge of watching international finance, monetary policy, and trade. He was at the U.S. Federal Reserve Board at the Division of Monetary Affairs. He was also the head of their Division of International Finance. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Good to be here. So these minutes, people watching to find out just what made the Fed not only decide not to hike its key rate, that wasn't such a big question, to to, to really kind of pull back expectations on how many rate hikes are coming this year. What leaps out at you from these minutes? Uh, Well, two things. One, I was really surprised at how much play they gave the the Brexit vote. Uh, It's mentioned at least three times that I saw quickly in the document as being a reason to delay. I I wouldn't have expected them to give so much prominence to that, uh, but they did. And the other thing was a lot of uncertainty about what the May employment report uh, meant. Uh, Most people said, well, we're not changing our forecast because of this one data point, but it does make us nervous. That's what you saw in the minutes. Joe, I'm wondering if you could comment on the potential of the U.S. economy and whether that is going through a secular or a cyclical change, because we haven't seen the kind of growth in GDP that many economists were expecting coming out of the recession. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think we, uh, everyone's been surprised that growth has, has come in slower than we would have expected. And, um, you know, we just don't understand productivity very well. I don't know anyone who does. Um, uh, it's hard, It's just impossible to forecast. But the best guess is it's going to stay low until it doesn't. <laughs> and so I think the, the best thing you can do is mark down your forecast, and that's what they're doing. Marking down their forecast and uh, wondering, I guess, how – how much weight they're going to be putting on the next jobs report because, you know, Janet Yellen said in her one of her recent testimonies, you know, we can't put too much emphasis on one number. Obviously, if you look at a great chart, in fact, in our uh, story today by uh, our Fed reporter Steve Matthews uh, looking at what we should be looking for in the minutes, and you can just see that it looks like a downtrend in payrolls, right? And this last bracket down to 38,000, that's a really small net gain in new jobs, could be an outlier, could be revised away. But uh, the Fed is clearly putting a lot of weight on that number, even though Janet Yellen said don't. Yeah, it's tough. And then the thing was, the unusual thing is how steadily it had been up there in the 200,000 range for so long, for so steadily, that that um, that was the, the, the surprise, I think, if you look historically. Uh, so we shouldn't be too surprised by some volatility in that number. Uh, but it, but it was more than just the headline number. I mean, uh, you know, pieces of the, of the story also didn't look good in terms of back revisions to previous months, in terms of people who are, uh, involuntarily working part-time and like to work full-time, things like that, you know, decline in participation. So a lot of pieces of it that were unsettling, not just the headline number. As far as their decision-making process goes, are they really data-dependent, or as you say, are they just interpreting the data over several years and trying to make sense of the economy? I think that's the big uh, thing that markets say, that they're not communicating very well. Well, I think it's it's easy to communicate if you see a data release and you can point to that. But in this case, despite the June data release, I think – they didn't change their forecast much. What what really is important is they're rethinking their parameters of the economy. In particular, what is the productivity growth rate going to be going forward and what does that mean for the interest rate going forward? And they're marking that down, both productivity and interest rates down for the for the medium term, longer term. And they're, how do you tell the markets that you're changing your mind? I mean, it's not about data you can point to in the past few weeks. It's about your interpretation of data over the past few years. And that's a harder story to explain mm-hmm. to markets. Well, Joe, why did you say that you're surprised that they put so much emphasis on uh, uncertainty over Brexit as a reason to pause? Well, I guess I was thinking before the meeting that it was unlikely that it would be Brexit and they don't tend to condition their actions on on, uh, sort of these kind of discrete events that are possible but unlikely, things like the the debt ceiling negotiations with Congress, you know. Obviously, if if those broke down uh, and the U.S. defaulted on its debt, it it would change. It would be hugely important for the Fed's policy, but they view it as an unlikely thing, and they're not going to change policy in advance of that. Uh, This, I thought, was something like that, albeit more likely to happen, but still unlikely. Well, it turned out to happen. So uh, maybe they were right, but uh, I'm surprised that they – it just seemed like uh, Britain is a small country. We don't export much to it. Um, People were saying it wouldn't affect the U.S. economy, but more than a quarter of a percentage point on growth uh, if if it happened. So it just seemed like it was a small thing to worry to put so much effort on. 
We're going to continue the conversation with Joseph Gagnon. He is the senior fellow for the Peterson Institute for International Economics based in Washington, D.C., of course, home to Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 HD2. You're listening to Taking Stock, and this is Bloomberg. Taking a look at central banks around the world, not only in the United States, we're going to take a look at the U.K. The probability of a rate cut in less than two weeks is now up to 76%. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 99.1, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. It's not just the uncertainty and the aftermath of the Brexit vote that's weighing on the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world. It's plunging bond yields as well. The European Central Bank is having to buy more, maybe lower quality bonds. What is this going to mean for central bank moves ahead? We're going to find out as we continue our conversation with Joe Gagnon from the Peterson Institute, Pim. Yes, uh, but right now, let's go to Catherine Cowdery in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Catherine. Thank you, Pamela. Stocks remained higher after minutes from the Federal Reserve's June meeting did little to alter perceptions for the timing of higher interest rates. Concern that fallout from the Brexit vote may spread beyond the U.K. drove demand for havens. At their June meeting, several Fed officials lowered their expectations for the number of times they'll increase rates this year. The gains in the U.S. today are interrupting a sell-off in global shares sparked by, sparked by Brexit concerns. Charles Defoe is uh, Chief Investment Advisor at International Value Advisors. Most stocks and bonds around the world still trade at nosebleed valuation levels. Hmm. But to be more polite, they are priced for perfection. <laughs> and I think we were reminded by, by Brexit, which was somewhat unexpected, that uh, uh, uncertainty is uh, part of the... The investment landscape. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is up 42 points a quarter percent, trading at 17,883. S&P 500 up six points, a third of a percent, to 2,094. The Nasdaq is higher by 24 points, a half a percent, trading at 48.46. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil up 76 cents a barrel, 1.6 percent to 47.38. Spot Gold is up eight dollars 30 cents an ounce at 13.67. Ten-year Treasury down one thirty-second with a yield of 1.38 percent. Among today's top business stories, two more U.K. property funds have halted withdrawals in the wake of Britain's Britain's decision to leave the European Union, and that brings a total number to five. Henderson Global Investors and Columbia Threadneedle Investments have suspended trading in at least $6.9 billion of property funds. CBS is planning to file to take its radio division public by the end of the month. It's a sign that CBS has been unable to find a buyer willing to pay the right price. Now let's get an update of some of the other stories we're following on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you, Catherine. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Ramey Innocencio. President Obama said today he will slow down the U.S. troop withdrawal from Afghanistan. Even as we've maintained, maintained a, a relentless you know, case against those who are threatening us, we are no longer engaged in a major ground war in Afghanistan. 
The president says he would draw down troops to 8,400 from the original plan of 5,500. There's strong reaction from House Speaker Paul Ryan after an FBI recommendation that no criminal charges be filed against Hillary Clinton in connection with her use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. I think um, the DNI, Clapper, should, should, should deny Hillary Clinton access to classified information during this campaign, given how she so recklessly handled classified information. Ryan said the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee, quote, clearly lives above the law. FBI Director James Comey will appear before the House Oversight Committee tomorrow to testify on the recommendation. Tennessee Senator Bob Corker has taken himself out of consideration to be Donald Trump's running mate. That's according to the Washington Post, which says Corker informed Trump of the decision yesterday. Corker appeared with Trump at a rally last night in North Carolina. And new casting has been announced for the leading players of the smash Broadway hit Hamilton. Tony Award nominee Brandon Victor Dixon will replace Leslie Odom Jr. as Aaron Burr on Broadway. Dixon takes over in mid-August. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Ramey Innocencio. Thank you. Now let's get a quick update of the equity benchmarks. Dow Industrial Average is up 40 points at 17,880. S&P 500 up 6 points at 2,094. The Nasdaq is up 24 points at 4,846. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock, the Fed in Focus on Bloomberg Radio. The Fed in Focus. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, our guest Joseph Gagnon, Senior Fellow, Peterson Institute for International Economics, joining us from Washington, D.C. Previously, he helped edit the minutes uh, of the Federal Reserve uh, Open Market Committee meeting uh, for almost two years as a Fed economist. Uh, jo- Joseph Gagnon, the pound, the, the pound sterling trades right now 129.19. Uh, Japan's 20-year bond yield has turned negative. UK property funds have suspended trading. People can no longer sell out of those investments. If someone was to ask you, how do you describe the world's economic picture today? What do you tell them? Well, two things. One is that the the Brexit shock is real. I think we shouldn't overstate it. But if you live in the United Kingdom, you're going to feel it. And certainly London property is precisely where I would think you get some of the biggest hits because there's a risk that if you own London property, you won't be part of Europe anymore and you will lose some of the benefits uh, that London has in being within Europe and being a financial center. So I think it, that's understandable. But the other big news to, today is how low interest rates are everywhere. I think that is shocking and I wouldn't have uh, – I, I think there's been a long-term trend to lower interest rates going back over 30 years, but how it's gone farther than I would have ever guessed. Well, to a certain extent, Joe, it seems you could argue that Federal Reserve policy, Bank of Japan policy, ECB policy, buying lots of bonds are largely responsible for this or to to a very important degree because obviously yields were falling long before the Brexit impact, which accelerated this trend. Bank of Japan is a clear example. The yen actually has gotten very strong because it's sent, it's, you know, it's kept money in Japan. It's put risk mm-hmm. off, et cetera. Uh, have the central banks maybe erred in not understanding what they were unleashing? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so because I think the central banks are responding to market forces. I think um, they are seeing weak growth and inflation below their targets, and the textbook response is to have lower interest rates. And 
ultimately, if they get the economy recovering again, then they can raise rates back to normal. But they keep being surprised that what they think are low rates are not really doing the job. And the answer, I think, is that the economy needs rates lower than people thought. If no the, one wants to spend. Everyone wants to save. Okay, so if everyone wants to spend, will there be increased spending in the United Kingdom in order to accommodate Brexit and indeed increased spending in the European Union in order to deal with what has really never happened before, a country exiting the European Union? Yeah, that's it's hard to know. But I, I think the thing is pe- people are afraid of spending right now. That's the problem uh, in the in the face of the Brexit uncertainty, but even the bigger changes we've seen beyond that, uh, people are holding back. They're they're worried about their retirement. They're saving more. Their businesses are holding back on investment because they're unsure. Uh, I think this is, has been a problem for central banks. Is what? How do they get those pocketbooks open again? So financial stability is certainly one of the Federal Reserve's, every central bank's responsibility, right up there with, you know, containing inflation and looking at jobs. Uh for the UK, this is, has been obviously Mark Carney's big challenge right now. He spoke for the, the third time in, in 12 days, basically, since the Brexit vote. Markets pricing in two rate cuts. Uh, what do you see for, for the, for the Bank of England? And will, will, will this have any linkages or spill over to the Fed and others? Well, I think Carney sig- uh, signaled that he probably would be cutting rates or doing something to, to stimulate because the U.K. looks like it's going to be heading into a mild recession. Uh, that sounds appropriate. Uh, I, I think they're the experts on how big and how bad the recession will be and what the right response will be is. I think it will have spillovers. It already is. I mean, the, 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 the dollar has gone up since the Brexit vote, and that holds the U.S. economy back. And we'll have a mild recession in the U.K. that also holds the U.S. economy back. I think uh, we won't be getting any rate hikes in the U.S. this year. That's my call. Can you comment on the Italian and European banking situation currently? Because, of course, you've been following what's going on with uh, the shares of Italy's uh, Banca Monte di Paschi di Siena. They've gone down 45% in 10 days. Yes, um, that's a surprisingly large reaction to the Brexit vote, and it's a little puzzling, but it, 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 it does suggest that the, the weak link in European banking is in Italy, um, and I'm not quite, I, I don't quite get the, the magnitude of the link with Brexit, but it seems, it seems to be there, so I'm not fully, I don't fully get it, but it seems to have shined a spotlight on if there's weaknesses in the Euro area. Uh, in Europe, the Union, European Union generally, that makes it harder for the Europeans to deal with Italian banking. Uh, uh, Joe, I just I want to underscore something. I want to make sure I heard you say correctly that you do not see an, in, an interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve this year? I do not see an interest rate hike, no, especially if, if the forecasts for Brexit of a mild recession in the U.K. with some spillovers to the U.S. and the pound stays where it is, the dollar stays okay. high, there'll be no rate hike this year. Next year? Oh, it, it, hopefully. I mean, um, uh, yeah. Okay. But <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet the farm on it. Well, he wouldn't bet the farm on it, Pim. I that that just left me speechless for a minute. Joe Gagnon, thank you so very much for joining us. He's a senior fellow at the Peter Institute for International Economics. He was formerly with the Fed's Division of Monetary Affairs and ran their International Finance Division. No rate hike this year. Maybe not next year either. Wow. Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox, and this is Bloomberg. 
The Fed in Focus is brought to you by Willoughby's since 1898. New York City's boutique camera store for precision-crafted Hasselblad and Leica cameras, plus a full selection of GoPro action-adventure cameras. Willoughby's, corner of 5th Avenue and 31st Street. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.